0: Hey, welcome into Investment Insight. My name is Hayden Profit. I'm the co-host of this. Alongside me, we have Brent McKay joining us okay. today. So, Brent, how are you doing today? Good. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. I'm doing great. So, the first topic that what we're going to kind of go over today is retirement accounts. It's something everybody wants to think about in our industry, right? Sure. Absolutely. Talk, it's one of the most... How often do we talk about that a week? Uh, I don't
1: know. Maybe five, six times a day.
0: That's what I was fixing to say. Yeah, it's quite frequently. So, explain to me these three accounts. Just... In light of everything, 401k, 403b, and 457. Sure, these seem like alphanumeric accounts that, you know, they have they add a letter onto it just to be a little more confusing with a few different
1: stipulations. But just kind of give me a brief overview of those three. So of course 401ks are, are what a lot of clients have. That's typically for your um, for-profit business. Most for-profit businesses have 401ks. Um, you know that for they all kind of work functionally the same way in terms of they have a uh, twenty two thousand five hundred dollar contribution limit, um, either deferred or Roth. Um, they have a catch up of seventy five hundred dollars. You could do a catch up um, contribution to all three of the accounts. through um, b tend to be more in the educational or the nonprofit sphere. Um, they don't require as much testing as as you know Hayden um, in your past life. Um, there's not as much. Um, you know, discrimination testing or, or accounting related to that. 457s tend to be government plans. So, if, you're, if you work for the state of Tennessee, if you work um, for the federal government, you tend to have a 457 plan. So, those are some of the differences between um, 403Bs and 401Ks and 457s, but they're all very similar. Um, you can do tax deferability, you can also do Roth contributions in those. Uh, you know, one of the things I know we we're going to talk about today is should one of the common questions we get is should you do a Roth? should you do a traditional IRA and um, so it depends. So if you know for certain that you are gonna make more money in retirement than you're making now in terms of income, you probably should look at the Roth because the Roth, obviously you put money in, um, you pay taxes on it now, all the growth and all the principal is then tax free. So one of the common things people get confused about is they think when I put money in a Roth, does my interest grow tax-free and it does and so the biggest issue though is with a pre-tax account the advantage is you put the money in now you get a tax deduction today and you get to take all that money you would pay the IRS and her interest over that for many many years you know obviously your age does play a part in that um, so if you're looking at the situation we've got a really cool calculator we can show the difference but generally speaking when we see people are projecting having um, more Income in retirement, or the same rate in retirement as now, we tend to recommend going to the Roth. Yeah. If it, if they look like they're going to have less income in retirement, you know, like if you're 55 and haven't saved much for retirement and you're getting started, you might want to do the pre-tax, get that tax deduction now because hey, you might be in a 22% tax bracket today, and you might be in an eight or 10% bracket in retirement. So why pay 22% taxes to only save? 10% in retirement. Yeah, you almost get like a tax break in retirement in that yeah. particular case. because many people, and what a lot of people don't think about is when you're working, you're paying into Social Security, you're paying for health care, you might have a mortgage in your house. A lot of people retire without a mortgage, they um, retire without having to pay Social Security um, taxes, and so a lot of people don't need as much income in retirement in order to replicate their standard of living when they retire. That's awesome. So,
0: one thing I've seen with 401k specifically, is the 401k match. Can you just explain a
1: little bit of how that works? Sure, so most employers, um, the typical average for most companies is about a 3% match. Um, There are companies that do no match, there are companies that do higher matches. um, And what matching is basically is free money. You know a lot of employers will do a 50% match on let's say your first um, 6%. So it's a little confusing, 50% on 6%. Well what that basically means is, is you put 6% of your paycheck in, they're gonna give you 3% for free. So you're automatically getting a 50% return on your money. Now, one of the things that you have to be careful of is a lot of employers have started doing what's called true up 401k matches. And why this matters so much is, let's say you're a high flyer. Let's say, you know, we got Hayden here and and he's, it's already, you know, August, you know, early August. And he goes in and he um, matches out, he already maxes out his account. So since it's not a true-up account, it's just a regular match, he's already maxed out his 401k. He's already put the $22,500 in his 401k. Well, if he already does that, then that means the company doesn't have to match on any other income he has for the year. So by that, you you put the money in, they're matching you by the paycheck, not based on your total salary. So if you made $100,000 this year, and are you going to make hundred thousand dollars a year? And you already matched out um, by August. And let's say you made fifty. They're only going to match you on the fifty. They're not going to match you on the full hundred. So one of the things that we've noticed with a lot of major employers, especially in the Middle Tennessee area, is they've gotten really smart, and they're like, so you have one employee that makes a hundred, another employee makes a hundred, one employee gets a three thousand dollar match and the other guy's getting a $1,500 match because he matches out early. So make sure when you're doing your matches in your 401k that you try to max out by the end of the year. And you got to think about this too. Like if you get a bonus, you, get, you do something really well in the mid-year, you want to make sure that you kind of hit that in that last week or close to December. So you need to check those, those contributions. And some employers don't even allow you to change your percentage mid-year. <laughs> so if you work for one of them, you gotta plan even more accordingly. So that is one thing to factor matches. match. But the cool thing about a match, the bottom line is, is saving for retirement is really critical because when you're getting free money, it makes it a lot easier to save. Right, yeah, for sure. And so
0: we talked about the contribution limits. Let's say that I'm not 26, let's say I'm 52, yeah. right? And I'm
1: over 50. Yeah. Is there a way that I can save more at retirement? Correct, so you have um, two options. As an employee, you can contribute $22,500 Anybody under the age of 50. At age 50, there's another $7,500 that you can contribute um, to your 401k. Also, your employer, <laughs> with your contribution, which you put in and the employer contribution, they can put all that together, cannot exceed $66,000. However, if you're self employed, that opens up a window where you could, in effect, save $30,000 and put another $36,000 for yourself into your 401k through matching. And so that is where you can actually put up to $66,000 a year into a retirement account in 2023.
0: Wow, that's, that's awesome. Yeah. Um, so given the age thing, let's, let's go to that another second. So we talked about 52, that I'm hypothetical. Now let's escalate three more years, 55, 59 and a half, and 72. What do yep. those three numbers mean in terms of retirement? What, sure. what does it mean in terms of, you know, early withdrawals everything like that what does it mean
1: exactly so I was so a lot of people think that hey I got to retire at 65 and that's a common number there too because that's when Medicare starts and that is a good age for most people's plans when you build a plan for retirement because when you have medical coverage it makes it a heck of a lot easier to retire Um, but 401k plans if you retire where you're working you are allowed to retire at 55 or a little bit older and you can pull money out of your retirement account and you will not have any penalties. Um, you will pay taxes, but there's no penalties. There's a special stipulation within a 401k plan where you can pull money out at 55. Now, that might mean that you might not bring the money into our office or with our practice or another practice. You might have to keep your funds with a 401k plan where you work. But the big benefit of that is if you wanted to retire early, um, you can pull money out at 55. Now, 59 and a half is the most common age. Um, that's actually we, we call it here a little birthday here. At 59 and a half, you are allowed, even if you're still working in most plans, not all, most plans, you are allowed to roll that money from your 401k to an IRA. Um, you, you know, and that is a big deal there. Now, 73, which is currently the age for a required minimum distributions, a lot of people think of 70 and a half, um, you know. Um, seven-and-a-half was the age, it is now 73. Um, You know, at 73 years old, you are required by law to pull a certain percentage out of your account. If you do not do that, the penalty has been dropped, it was 50 percent last year, it is now 25 percent penalty. Now, there's an exclusion if you're like, well hey Brent, I didn't pull my RMD out last year, what can I do now? Well, you are allowed, if you fix it within two years, to drop that penalty down to 10 percent. But if you forget to pull the money out, you're gonna pay a 25% penalty mm. on that money in 2023. Another thing that um, is very beneficial for people to do is charitable deductions. Um, a lot of people, when they give money to charity, they're not giving more, if you're married, you have to give more than standard deduction. Well, if, if the standard deduction you know, is over 26, $27,000, if you're not giving 27,000 to charity, you cannot write that off on your taxes. So there's a special exclusion under the law now. If you are 70 and a half, not 73, if you are 70 and a half, <laughs> you are allowed to give money out of your IRA to a charity and it is not considered to be a taxable distribution. So let me phrase that again. You know, So we've got Hayden over here he's an accountant, so it's a little easier for him to grasp it. So let's say, for instance, I want to give $10,000 to my church. What I could do, is I can give the $10,000 to my church out of my IRA. I don't send the money to myself. I write the check directly from my IRA to the church. Because the check goes directly from my IRA to the church, I never touched it, I never had it, so it's not a distribution to me, it's now a distribution to my church. That, because I'm over 70 and a half in this example, um, is not considered taxable income. So if you look at your 1040, there's a line on there that says 1040, 4A, 4B. 4A is how much you pull out of your IRA, 4B is how much is taxable. So now you get that $10,000, it's not taxable. You also get to take that standard deduction and you get that $27,000 plus off being over 65. And so with both of us together, by you giving that money out of your IRA, which I know we're not talking about IRAs as much on the 401ks, but by you doing that, uh, you can still do that for 401ks as well. By you doing that, you've now found a way to take an extra reduction of your income, or reduce some, your taxable income by just figuring how the money works.
0: That's awesome. Well, let's hit on the IRA just just a second, comparatively to a 401k. Big big difference here. Yeah. Beneficiaries. Um, hit on that. What the differences is, is with a beneficiary in an IRA versus a 401k. So the
1: when it comes to beneficiaries, you know, you can always, one of the easy ways to remember, a 401k is a four-letter word. Now I raise a three-letter word. And so, <laughs> um, and so one of the things that you look at there is, with a 401k, the employer makes the decision or has control of a lot of your beneficiary rules. So we had a, we've had a customer in the past or several customers in the past, two family members, worked at companies, and they had updated their beneficiaries. But the company had required a new update. They had not provided that update. When they did not provide that update, um, the company got to basically decide where the money went upon their death, per state law. Well, you know, in this one situation, we had a customer who had gotten cancer. He'd worked at the company. Well, he wasn't a customer, his brother was a customer. And he'd gotten cancer. He had submitted a beneficiary form where he wanted his two boys to be his beneficiary. Okay? Well, as it turned out, The company had asked for a new submission of a new form. He did not fill it out because he was getting treatment. He wasn't, you know, he eventually died from cancer. Um, Well, in that process, the company said his form didn't count and because they had no submission, even though they had a signed dated copy we had showing he submitted it, they got to make the decision. So they said all that money was now payable to his estate and not to his boys. Now, this matters a lot when it comes to beneficiaries. So beneficiaries under current law, if they're over the age of 18, they have the right to pull, when they hurt money, to pull it out over a 10-year period, not a one-year period. When that company said that the estate was a beneficiary, all of that money had to come out of that 401k, and all of it was taxable. So in this instance, this gentleman, $400,000 of his life savings had to come out to payable to his estate upon his death. Estates are taxed at a higher tax rate than individuals. So, after you get over like $14,000, $15,000, you're at a 37% tax rate for wow. an estate. Now, it takes a married couple to get over $600,000 at that same rate later on. So, think about That's $400,000 at thirty. dollars 7% taxes. Wow. And so, the benefits of having the money in IRA, IRA stands set, for individual, individual retirement account. So that means the individual, you direct where your money goes. Not the company you work for, you direct. Now the benefits of that are, if, if, if that gentleman had named his two boys as his beneficiary, those boys, instead of it going through the estate process, instead of paying all those taxes, they would have 10 years to pull the money out. And here's the benefit too. It would have split over two people's tax returns, not one estate. And so then you get that money spread. Both children were in the military. They both had low incomes. So they would have paid almost no taxes on that money. And under the current rule, you can pick when in the 10 years, we're expecting some future guidance from the IRS. Right now you can pick how much you pull out. So if you had a year where you had no income, pull out some extra money. If you have a year with high income, don't pull out as much money. And so you can really plan the taxes on the benefit. Now the downside of course of a IRA over 401k is most of the time when you work with an advisor or when you hold money within an IRA it's probably going to cost a little bit more money than with a 401k. You know this company that we're talking about this situation was a massive fortune 500 company. They had multiple billions of dollars in their plan so they're going to get a fee reduction when you have two billion dollars in a plan you're going to get a better price than if you have $400,000 in a plan. And there's ways that you know we do business that help benefit through some trading and block trading stuff, but generally speaking, the downside of rolling a 401k over to an IRA is it might cost a little bit more money. So you need to be aware of what those costs are, what your options are. Um, you know, Obviously, we'll have some future videos about why we feel like our, some things we do in our practice are beneficial for people, but that's up to the people to decide. What's next, Dave?
0: That's awesome. So... Let's get let's hit this and we'll kind of wrap it up after this. But within the four hundred and one k, within the IRA, within all these different things, obviously they're comprised of investments of stocks, sure. bonds, portfolios. Um, hit on this, and I'm gonna hit, I'm gonna throw you a softball here with this one. But basically, how does risk play into it? How does risk play into stock selection for one? What is rebalancing, and why does this matter to me? Sure.
1: So probably the most important thing that we've you know, 17 years I've been managing money for clients and we've noticed is people don't look at their 401 k They put the money in, market goes down. What do people do They, you know, they cover their eyes. They don't want to see it. Um, you know, when the market's going up, everybody wants to look at it. And so one of the number one things you can do to help your portfolio out is rebalance your portfolio. You know, we all know that last year um, in 2022, the stock market was a little volatile. And many, many indexes at certain points were all in a bear market for the first time since the 70s. So you want to be buying some of those things that are cheap. This year has been a much different year so far. We're seeing the S&P um, getting close to that 20% number and the bond market still being low. And so what happens is when the stock market goes up, you have stocks and bonds tend to be the most people's portfolio. Most people's investments in the country are invested either in real estate, stocks, or bonds and so we all know that when the economy is going good stocks and real estate tend to go up because when people when businesses make more money they tend to pay their employees more money and as soon as employees make more money they want a bigger house they want more land they want more stuff that's just a natural thing as we are built as humans we want more (laughs) and so when the economy goes down we realize maybe we don't need as much (laughs) and we live on less And so the value goes down and so um, When you look at rebalancing a 401k, probably the number one thing that we feel like we can help people with, uh, and we typically offer this service for customers at no no cost, is um, if you move into some funds in your 401k, it might be a little bit less costly. You can typically save on fees. So we like index funds. Index funds are very cheap. And the benefit of that is you're buying the whole market. So instead of you putting your money trying to bet that Google is better than um, Apple, just buy them all. Buy all the companies that are in that market and so um, typically you know, you know if, if Google artificial intelligence doesn't keep up but Microsoft wins which came out of nowhere about a year ago you can see the two stocks. and You see Microsoft stock and you see Google stock now only performing. Well if you own both you won on the on the win. And you also with that you kind of diversify too, don't Correct. you? So That's you're right.
0: not putting all your eggs into just the Google basket per se. Yeah. They're not all sitting in
1: one place. You got several different options. That's a great point Aiden. You know when you're looking at diversification, you know people want to reduce risk. This is your life savings. So if you're looking at having 502 or 503, the largest companies in the United States, you own them all. In order for you to lose everything, every one of those companies you have to go out of business which in that event is very unlikely there's something you can invest in that would provide safety. if the event that every company in America that was of large size went out of business because once the big ones went out of business, the smaller ones would follow suit. And so when we're looking at rebalancing, um, you know, if if you said you had 50% stocks, 50% bonds. So 50% lower risk, 50% um, some higher risk. Market goes up 10%, bonds don't do anything. Well now all of a sudden you're at 55% stocks, 45% bonds. So what rebalancing would do is, we would take that 5% growth we made in stock market and we'd put it into lower risk bonds. That way as the market's going up, you're moving less risky. When the market starts going down, you do the opposite, you start buying when it's lower. Because that way when the markets recover, which historically they have, um, you're gonna make some money. And so that rebalancing technique is a great way to lower your volatility but it's also a great way to make some more money because you're buying stocks at lower prices, you're selling them at higher prices, and you're investing in assets that are more stable at higher prices and then preparing for the lower prices because it tends to be a seesaw. You know, typically, when the stock market goes down, the bond market goes up. When the bond market goes down, the stock market goes up. That's why a lot of people will invest in a 50-50 portfolio because they're trying to reduce their risk.
0: That's awesome. Well, thank you so much for all the, uh, for coming in today and everything. And we look forward to seeing you next time. Thank you so much for joining us.
1: Nice to you. Have a
0: great day.